Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory from the Relevant Radio app. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. When the night has come And the land is dark And the moon is the only light we'll see Kicking it off with the classic. I love that song. How many times have we heard that? And it does not get old. That is Benny King. Welcome to the show. This is Trending. My name is Brooke Taylor. In for Timory. Do you know that song, or at least the third line of the second verse, is directly from Psalm 46.2. God is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in distress. Thus we do not fear, though the earth be shaken and the mountains quake to the depths of the sea. That's where he got that, originally from a hymn in the South. And I didn't know, actually, until today, I found out that Jen, John Lennon did a cover of that version as well, of Stand By Me. Jim, producer Jim, did you know that? Am I the only one that didn't know that? When you sent that clip to me earlier, Brooke, that was the first time I'd heard his version. I still like the original better, but uh, yeah, John did a pretty good job. Yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised because it is such a classic. And in fact, I want to pull a little bit later in our next break because I want you to hear that. So we're going to pull up the John Lennon version just for a minute so you can hear that if you haven't either of Stand By Me. But the reason that we're using that song, going with that theme, is we're talking about in both guests. We have two guests lined up on the program today. Stand By Me, that's the theme, in marriage with my first guest, Kathleen and Troy Billings. Kathleen is with us, but married couple, authors of a new devotional. And then there's Kimberly Begg. She will be with us. Her new book is called Unbreakable, Saints Who Inspired Saints to Moral Courage. So in that case, Stand By Me is a love song to our Lord, no matter what, to live the virtue of fortitude. The studio line is open. We'd love to hear from you if you have a comment about marriage. And as we go on and the interview unfolds, we'd love to hear your insights. The studio line is one 914 9149 Young Thomas is on the line as our call screener uh, for today's show. And so the name of the devotional that we are talking about in the first part of the show here is called Simply Love. It's from OSV, our Sunday visitor, Catholic Marriage Day by Day. The authors, again, Troy and Kathleen Billings, husband and wife, parents of five children, four children in heaven, and frequent guest speakers nationwide. They go all over to talk on the topic of marriage. Happy to bring their story, this new book, and the wonderful wisdom to you today on the show. Kathleen is with us. Hello, Kathleen. Hello, Brooke. I feel like this interview is such a long time coming because we ran into each other about a year ago. Was it maybe two years ago? And you have a story, quite a backstory about this book. And so I guess we should maybe start there. How did this book come to be? Sure, yeah. 
So about five years ago, Troy and I were in adoration. It was the beginning of the new year. Uh, kind of a little tradition that we have as a couple is at the beginning of each new year, we have a date night where we go out and set goals for the new year, goals for our marriage, for our family, uh, for our children, talk about house projects for the upcoming year, kind of the whole gamut. But we start that evening off with a holy hour. So we go to adoration and we ask our Lord to bless our efforts. And then after the holy hour, we go out to dinner and we usually sit at a restaurant for several hours. We used to bring notebooks. Now we bring our laptops. So we've uh, <laughs> evolved over the years. But that yeah. evening, five years ago, in adoration, an idea came to me in prayer to write a daily devotional for Catholic couples. Up to that point, we had been doing a lot of various marriage ministries. We wrote for the USCCB for your marriage site. Um, had written several different blogs, had been a contributing author to different books. But this idea just came to me in adoration. So Trey and I talked about that night. We took it to prayer over the next several months, had a chance to pitch it to OSV that coming summer. And they were um, very interested and, and uh, did want to publish the book. So over the course of the next year, we co-wrote uh, that book together. So uh, July of 2019, the night before we went to submit the book to our Sunday visitor, my computer crashed right as we were uploading the document to send it off. And I had it saved in the hard drive and also um, on my uh, in the cloud, in Microsoft, in the cloud. I'm not a computer person. <laughs> Trey's better at explaining wow. this aspect. I mean, that's nevertheless, it's like a movie, a terrible movie yeah, scene. And also yes, in spiritual yes. warfare, like very predictable. Yes. But was there any way to recover it? No. So at first we were very hopeful, but after several months of, um, you know, just un unpacking the whole thing, it was never recovered. And so we lost wow. the entire book and the backup book. And uh, along with that, there was a lot of very intense spiritual warfare the last few months leading up to submitting the book. Um, but kind of the final grand finale was losing the entire book. And our Sunday visitor was very gracious and understanding but we had to rewrite the book. And so it's been this five-year journey and the book finally just came out on Valentine's Day of this year in conjunction with National Marriage Week. So praise God, it's finally yes. out there despite you know the, a lot of challenges along the way to get it out there. And certainly a weapon in warfare, obviously, to save marriages. Yeah. And we know that's what we know from the very beginning with the fall of Adam and Eve that, that the devil hates marriage and it's the very cell that society is built on so we see that from the beginning of time to destroy that cell and that foundation of marriage and you know right from the start i think that's what i love about your book is you take us into day by day and whether it's a new couple dating or a husband wife married for four decades that we have to be on guard against spiritual warfare and one of the aspects that you emphasize is in the devotional, not to lose sight that you're on the same team. When we're tempted to blame or complain, that it's an opportunity to assess the situation with patience, with mercy, with humility. And that's hard because we know pride is usually involved. And it sounds like that's one of the big lessons that, that you learned and that you kind of give us in the title of the book, One Day at a Time. The subtitle is Catholic Marriage Day by Day, that we just have to take it day by day. Absolutely. Absolutely. Renewed grace for your marriage every day. <laughs> and you know, because you lived it, I knew your family and have been blessed to be at your home and, in you know, kind of enfolded in your ministry and follow you and Troy, your husband. 
and in Utah, but I didn't know because in the book in reading this that you had lost a little boy, Dominic, to sudden infant death syndrome. And so you talk about the very real struggles that you are not just up there and kind of on a superficial level giving these tips, but you've really lived it. You've struggled. So I guess what advice would you give to the couples that may be really struggling right now? Yeah, that's a good question. Well, one, you're not alone. You know, all couples struggle in some way. And that that's just part of the marriage. You know, marriage is difficult, but it's absolutely beautiful when we do live it according to God's plan and according to the beautiful blueprint that the Catholic Church gives us. But that's hard. It requires sacrifice every day. Um, something I love, uh, Trey is a linguist, so he will often explain uh, the meaning and the history of words. And we often talk to couples about the meaning of the word sacrifice, which is to make holy. So every day we need to die to ourselves and sacrifice for one another. And through that, grow in holiness together. But, but it's in the little details each day, right? You know, it's in the trenches of, you know, doing the dishes when you don't feel like it, disciplining when it's hard, um, you know, getting up from your comfortable chair when, you know, a child spills their drink, right? You know, um, making that difficult phone call that you don't want to make just out of love for your spouse, right? You know, it's all those little details each day. We often think of the big things we can do to love our spouse, but real love is in the day-to-day details. It's so true because it's there. You you can be poured out. You can, and it's difficult. I mean, I think it is right. normal to have tensions because we're built that right. way. It's a refinement process, and so tension right. between what a person is and what a person ought to be is going to exist. And we're in the business of getting each other to heaven, and that is the work of refinement. So I, I think we shouldn't expect a perpetual honeymoon. But I also think because we don't see it modeled in our culture, that we stick it out, that we see it through that we don't give up and what that means. And and how much do you think, I guess, to that point, expectations plays into the way that we approach our marriages? Because even in the best circumstance, there can be unrealistic ideas and expectations going in, but also persisting that make it difficult. Right, absolutely. So I think often, you know, unknowingly, you know, husband and wives enter into marriage with a lot of unrealistic expectations and Sometimes, you know, over time, those uh, work themselves out, but often they linger, right? And I think that can be the cause of a lot of angst in marriage, expecting your spouse to act one way and um, maybe going into marriage with the mentality of what can I get out of it instead of what can I give? You know, how can I love? How can I help get this person to heaven? And I know for for Troy and I, you know, we went into our marriage thinking we're going to get each other to heaven. This is our path to heaven. And I think there's there's kind of a view there like, you know, we're going to pray together, we're going to go to church together, we're going to do all these holy things together, which is beautiful and absolutely necessary. But the unrealistic side is, okay, those things are all beautiful, but if they're not done in a spirit of sacrifice and love and the nitty gritty every day, then they don't carry as much weight. God cannot work as powerfully if you're not pouring yourself out in uh, conjunction with that prayer and in cooperation with God's grace. And it really is fascinating to study because men and women and just the complementarity and obviously different personalities and things that we bring into marriage, all of that plays in 
in learning one another and having to rely on God's grace and the grace of the sacrament, which is perpetually, we give it to each other. I hear Patrick Madrid talk about that is so beautifully and just the need for patience and mercy and in how in that complementarity, for example, women, women remember things <laughs> and we have a gift of that, but also it's challenging when we don't forget things like for right. years. And thankfully we can look back and laugh now, but I remember my husband, he was in the 82nd airborne when 9-11 happened and had not slept in three days. And my son was born on September 14th and he fell asleep in the chair as I was laboring. And I was so upset. And it was like for years that I would say, you fell asleep. And how silly, you know, and I think also there's, there's youth and immaturity and there's growth and all of that. But he was just trying to live his life and, you know, care for our family. And I didn't forget it. You know, I didn't let him forget it. And so I think that those rebukes are important for us in the virtue of humility. And for women, I'll say, and maybe just for me, you know, that sometimes you can have that bitter root and hold on to things. And that's what's beautiful about your reflections. And I was wondering if you could just kind of take us into the format of the book, because these conversations we're having and these elements of working through marriage and whether it is making goals or having a ritual of prayer together, you talk about in little like five minute excerpts. So maybe you could tell us how that is laid out in this devotional. Simply Love, Catholic Marriage Day by Day is the title. Sure. Yes. So if there's 365 devotions, so it's for every day of the year. And each devotion begins with either a scripture or a quote from a saint. And then that leads into a reflection about that particular scripture or quote from a saint, and then it uh, ends with a prayer for the couple to pray together. And that's the part that Trey and I are most excited about, uh, because so often it's very difficult for couples to pray together, to be vulnerable, right? It requires a, a, a immense amount of vulnerability to pray together outside of just the rote prayers that the church has so beautifully given us. So each day the couples are able to pray about whether it's you know, communication in marriage or finances or parenting or, or whatever it is that the reflection is on that day, the prayer relates to that. And it should only take about five minutes, but the beauty in it is, of course, you know, it could lead to good conversation and go a lot longer, but it doesn't require an immense amount of time each day to take, uh, to enrich your marriage just a little bit each day. So that's kind of the, the overview, the format. It's, um, not deeply theological, although, of course, um, the church's teachings are woven into the whole book. But there's a lot of just practical insights that we've learned ourselves over the years as we have strived to live the vocation of marriage. And as you shared, you know, the beautiful story from, <laughs> you know, when you were in the hospital and, and Jim fell asleep, right? You know, we, we all have stories like that, right, that we grow from, that we learn from. And we realize later on, you know, how these our femininity, our masculinity are meant to complement one another, but often they, you know, we allow yes. them to contradict one another, right? So, so just the ways that we have grown as a couple, uh, you know, we weave that into the book a lot. So there's a lot of personal stories. There's some stories that we have shared with the permission of other couples that allowed us to share them. So that's kind of the overview of the whole book. <laughs> If you uh, would allow, I wanted to read just a quick reflection because this is so beautiful to give everyone an example. Uh, and it's 
page, it's day 239. So that's what's beautiful too. You don't have to start at a certain day. You just pick it up and begin and it'll take you through the year. But you say there's a beautiful Croatian wedding tradition. The priest blesses a crucifix. Then the bride places her right hand on the crucifix and the groom places his hand over hers. The priest covers their hands with his stole as the bride and groom profess their vows. Each of them kiss the crucifix, the source of their love. It is assumed that if either the husband or wife abandon the other, they have let go of the cross. And if they have let go of the cross, they have let go of Christ. After the ceremony, the newlyweds are encouraged to place their crucifix in a prominent place in their home as a reminder of the vows they made on their wedding day and the value of and the need for sacrifice to faithfully live their marriage vows. And you go on just to talk about the beauty of that tradition and the gift of our faith, our faith traditions. They may vary through heritage, but through the the Catholic sacramental marriage, we are so rich indeed to begin that foundation. And then you have a prayer at the end, which I know you said is your favorite part, and a quote from St. Pio. And I mean, just to be imagine to sit for a few minutes with your spouse and read that, it really does offer clarity and perspective. It's beautiful. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> as, as we wrap up too, I just wanted to add a note about prayer because we kind of started there with you and Troy and the the regimen of prayer. I know he travels a lot and there's a really great story from Father Rocky that he talks about. He's a beautiful story. It's in the book, uh, The Memorare Moment. And he talks about how his own parents from 1942, when they got married and his dad shipped out to the South Pacific, that they made this nuptial deal that every night at nine o'clock, no matter where they were in the world, they would stop what they were doing and they would pray a rosary for each other. And they were faithful for that, with for that promise for four years when they were apart. And so just thinking about the fruit of that, and here is a priest, their son, and in the yeah. grace of faithfulness. And I, I, thought of you as well because it seems you've developed that in your family maybe a closing word that you can offer to other couples with prayer like that absolutely so i think what has been very key for uh troy and i in our marriage is we go to adoration together every week and we began that within the first month of our marriage 17 years ago and we have remained faithful to that Even when Troy travels, he will often go to adoration wherever he's at, whether that is in Costa Rica or California or wherever he is in the country. And I will also go that same evening um, during our scheduled holy hour that we have. So we can at least be united in prayer when we are physically apart. But when he is in town, we go every week for our holy hour together. And when the children were younger, we hired a babysitter. So that has been the glue, I believe, that has really kept our marriage fruitful and alive. And there's been so much grace that has come from that. So I would really encourage couples, if you're not yet doing a holy hour together, I encourage you to do that. Even if you're only able to go for 15 minutes or a half hour, uh, there's so much grace that comes from that time spent together. But just on the daily, we, we absolutely try to begin each day with prayer. We always take a few minutes before we go to bed each night to pray together And then we also have some family rituals uh, woven in there also. What do you say to the couple that is not on the same page and are hearing you and thinking, boy, I don't know if my spouse is going to do that with me. And is there a seed or a starting point that you'd recommend? Absolutely. We'll never give up hope and never give up praying for your spouse. Um, And know that you're not alone and don't 
don't lose faith. <laughs> just keep praying and knowing that, you know, in time, your example, I shouldn't say in time, your example, whether your spouse is admitting to it or not, is um, is touching their heart at some level. And, and there'll be fruit that will come from it in God's time. So just stay mm-hmm. faithful to praying for your spouse if they are not willing to pray and engage with you. And that's our prayer, and it really brings us to, with our next guest coming up, moral courage and to remain faithful. And I know that Kel Clark in his show was talking about St. Benedict and the witness of one holy soul and how it's like a magnet. And we might not feel like that holy soul, you know, because we see our shortcomings and the struggles that we have every day. But there is that light that um, is beautiful because it's from God. So Thank you. The book is called Simply Love, Catholic Marriage, Day by Day. Troy and Kathleen Billings available with OSV, our Sunday visitor. And I know you have a lot going on from speaking at marriage events across the country. This new book, you have a pilgrimage for couples next year. How can we plug into what you're doing and get connected with you? Yes, thank you for asking. So Seasons of the Heart and Home is our website and and where we can be found um, to connect with us and all the information's on that website, so. (laughs) Well, this book, you know, has a powerful arrow to the heart if all that you had to go through to get it to come out has finally happened. So congratulations and and God bless you for what you do. Thank you so much, Brooke. God bless you also. Thank you, Kathleen Billings. And again, the book is Simply Love, Catholic Marriage Day by Day. More to come this hour. Uh, Kimberly Begg is with us again. She'll talk about fortitude, moral courage. Her new book is called Unbreakable. And Saints Who Inspired Saints to Moral Courage is a theme. So we have a lot to talk about. Our studio line is open. Is there a saint that has encouraged you or that you've connected with in terms of courage in your own life. She will share some of the stories of the saints she's included in the book and also hope to hear from you to join the conversation. one 914 My name is Brooke Taylor in for Timory. This is Trending on Relevant Radio and the app. Back after the break. Stay with us. And the land is dark And the moon Is the only Light we'll see Okay, there it is That's John Lennon The John Lennon version of Stand By Me He did a cover of that song So I just found this out today I was pulling up the Benny King version Saw that John Lennon did also Stand By Me And at the top of the show we talked about it Because both of our guests today really reminded me of that when we talk about marriages, not giving up, when we talk about courage and fortitude and pouring out everything for Christ, stand by me. And so when I found that out about John Lennon, I actually texted an old morning show partner who is a very big Beatles fan. And I I said, did you know about this John Lennon version? And he said, oh yes, Lennon was going through his melancholy and he was tired of experimental political music. He wanted to do some rootsy rock, rock and roll. It's really such an interesting and fascinating, really looks through history when you look at music in the last 50 years and even like Bob Dylan because he had gone through a conversion and became 
you know, very strong Christian and did, I think, a gospel album. So it's always interesting to go back in the archives and some things you forget, but it's a pretty good version. You can find that on YouTube. And he's in a brand spanking white suit with Yoko Ono, who's also in a white suit, and they get into a white car. So it's very uh, dated, but it is a good version. So there you have it. And again, you might know this, but that song, Stand By Me, references Psalm 46 2. God is our refuge and our strength and ever present help in distress. Thus, we do not fear, though the earth be shaken and the mountains quake to the depths of the sea. And it's an evergreen message. It's a beautiful song. And so that reminder, that truth of scripture, that no matter what storm rages around us, what kind of heartbreak or betrayal we are called to endure, what structures crumble around us, that God is our refuge and we stand by him. He will not abandon us. He has never left us, our hope and our deliverer. And our next guest demonstrates that par excellence in her new book. I cannot wait to open the pages to dig in and to tell you about these saints that she's handpicked. It's called Unbreakable, Saints Who Inspired Saints to Moral Courage, published by Tan, Tan Books. Kimberly Begg is the author. Delighted now to welcome her to the program. Hello, Kimberly. Hi, Brooke. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm so thrilled to be on your show. Thank you. Well, I think we all feel the same because this book is right on time, God's Providence. And and thank you for tackling the topic. So I guess for those that haven't seen, I want to describe, this is a brand new book and what the cover looks like, because I think it says it all. You've got St. Joan of Arc <laughs> and she's in her battle armor, uh, holding her sword on her knees, looking up to heaven. It, I mean, it just doesn't get much better than that because it prepares us even as we look at the cover before we even open the pages because we know that we are going to be called at one point in our lives in one way or another to radical trust and may the Lord give us strength. And so I'm just wondering, was that your heart, your intention as you conceived this book and conceptualized it? You know, the intention was to just spread courage just just, just throughout the church. So the uh, the audience for the book is Catholic parents. Um, but really, the book is to help all Catholics live courageously in the world. I wanted to start with parents because I've noticed that a lot of Catholics are trying to find a way, a way around the cross, not just for themselves, but for their kids. You know, this is a society where we're, we're doers. We like to accomplish things. And the temptation to want to go out there in the world and you know, to, to go to a good college, to get a good job, to uh, want to be successful and have this material success. I think a lot of parents are, are becoming a little bit confused about what those priorities are. Our number one priority has to be to guide our children on their path to heaven. And this idea that that path can be free of, of sacrifice and suffering especially right now in this post-Christian world that we're living in, there's just no grounding of that idea in sacred scripture or in the traditions of the church. I want to read just a portion from the foreword written by someone we both admire and call friend, and that is Layla Miller and a wonderful friend of the show and the network as well. I think her voice is really this, this perfect prelude to what you shared and what the stories you go on to tell. She says, we cannot give what we don't have and courage is in short supply today. The world hates Christ and his church more than ever. And many Catholics are weary of the battle, often unwilling to undergo the real and painful consequences of taking a public stand for the faith. 
This weariness has led some parents to close their eyes to the accelerating moral chaos that threatens to sweep away our children. To be sure, a good portion of this slumber by Catholic parents is more like paralysis, the result of an unspoken fear. Parents are secretly afraid of what will become of their children in an increasingly merciless and perverse society. They don't know if their children can withstand the pressures and temptations that surround them. Some even wonder if there is a way around the cross, as you said, and a way to please both Christ and the world. After all, they rationalize, doesn't God want my children to be happy, to make a good living? Confusion, complacency, and fear cause even faithful parents to sleep through the war that wages around us and targets our children's souls. And so she goes on to say, it's high time we wake up, we prepare for battle, and there you are with the trumpets. So anything you want to add, so well said, bullseye for Layla. That's it. So, so well said. And yes, I, I, I love Layla Miller. She's a dear friend, and I was so honored that she wrote the foreword to this book. I think one of the reasons for the slumber is we have lost touch with the stories of the saints. The stories of the saints are a birthright of, of, of all Catholics and especially Catholic children. You know, it's during those formative years that our imagination is supposed to explore um, the, the good and the bad, the right and the wrong, the good and evil. And the stories of the saints, they give us this example of how to live our life out in the world. The number one thing that all of our kids need to do, and all of us, no matter what stage of life that, that we're in, but especially to pass on to our kids, is to discern what God's will is, you know, moment to moment, day to day, what the bigger plan is. And what we should be doing more than anything is trying to unite our will, or our human will, our passions, our intellect, our emotions, to unite all of that to Christ's will. And that is what the saints who took up their crosses in this book and followed Christ, that is what they were able to do. And it really is, you know, Joseph Pierce was on yesterday, this idea of slaying dragons, that man is homo viator, which is man on a journey. And we will face dragons and we are called to be conformed to the risen Christ. And we have to kind of work that muscle. And often it comes with a holy confidence because once we begin to have courage, you see God is with us. I have nothing to fear. And we live in an age where anxiety is at unbelievable record-breaking proportions among our youth and depression, anxiety, wondering our identity. So I think like you're saying, being rooted back to our home, which is heaven and the saints point the way is the roadmap we need to follow. And you've got a great corpus, a, a body of saints that you've included in this book. Can you give us maybe cherry pick some that you've included? Yes. So you mentioned Joan of Arc. So everybody's fascinated by the story of Joan of Arc, but actually I, th I think a lot of us don't know the particulars of the story. So for example, mm -hmm. I, I knew going into this that St. Michael the Archangel was an intercessor and an inspiration for Joan. Um, and I knew that there were others, but I was unfamiliar with their stories. You know, the other two saints who appeared to Joan and who inspired her were St. Margaret of Antioch and St. Catherine of Alexandria, who were teenaged martyrs, which is just so amazing to me because Joan left her house at 16 years old. I mean, the fact that she even left on this journey, you know, never mind what she did after she left the home. Right. 
you know, going into battle, leading the French into battle, defeating the English, being wounded in battle, her sham trial of a year, that, you know, um, just the uh, emotional torture that she had to go through, being burned at the stake. But she left her home and she loved her family. And she actually told several people along her after she left that really all she wanted was to be home. But sometimes God asks us to take a step out of our comfort, to go out in the world and to proclaim the truth that is there for anybody who is willing and open to hearing it, because the truth is written on all of our hearts. And so Jonah was able to have this courage to leave her house and to begin on this journey in part because, you know, other teenagers had done this before her. There were these two teenage martyrs. Um, it, it, both of them had to leave their home and, and, and do scary things and um, have conversations with people. And St. Um, Catherine of Alexandria had to debate um, 50 philosophers, and she ended up being so um, passionate about her defense of the faith that she ended up converting them. And um, St. Margaret of Antioch, her, her father was a pagan priest who kicked her out of the home. So she was completely on her own. So um, I think that that story is really inspiring in part because they, they were so young. These heroes were so young. You know, St. Uh, uh, Jose Luis Sanchez del Rio also was 14 years old. Uh, he was the young Cristero who went into battle side by side with the Cristero soldiers and gave up his horse uh, for the general when the general's horse was shot, ended up in, in uh, being captured and uh, tortured and um, refused to renounce Christ um, until the very, very end. Uh, just this courageous, courageous little boy. Yeah, and who put men to shame? The courage he demonstrated put put men to shame. And, and as you're saying, when you look at the the saints of the early church, most of them either had to leave their homes or leave their mortal lives, and they were ready for it. And as you mentioned, they were young at that, but they knew who they were, they knew their purpose, and they were faithful to that and followed as disciples to the end and really and we know that phrase the blood of the martyrs is the the seed of the church and you talk about that heritage that we're a part of how that is not something far out that doesn't apply to us it's scary of course and we don't want that for our children we think right we recoil from that naturally because we want them to go and get a scholarship and have a good job and not really have to face any because when they suffer we suffer right as parents but the reality is that we were made for glory and we will at some point suffer. We will, we know that we can't escape that. And so you really kind of take us into that courage really is a hallmark of an earnest and true disciple. But, but do you, why do you think, cause I don't think it is as much emphasized holy courage, moral courage, fortitude in the church today as much. I'm wondering, I'm wondering that too. I, I, I've been wondering that too. I don't know how to answer that question, um, except that I've been pondering it in my head, really. Um, one answer to it, though, so whatever the source is, one answer to it is that when we're courageous in the little things, we're courageous in the big things. So, you know, one thing that I realized in researching the lives of the saints in this book is that they were courageous in, in the little things. So you were just talking about St. Jose, you know, think about when he was at camp with these much older soldiers and well, first of all, he'd leave his home for the first time, 14 years old, um, and leave his, his, his mom and his dad and his, his, his siblings very much. But then at camp, you know, um, 
they, they all knew why they were there. They were there for Christ because um, Paez was persecuting the church in Mexico, and his goal was to destroy the Mexican Catholic Church. And so they all knew they were there, why they were there. But at camp, they had mass. They had priests there. And the other soldiers were just so amazed and impressed and inspired by how reverently he received Jesus really present in the blessed sacrament. But here was this, this 14 year old boy and he could have you know, tried to act tough. Right. Um, but the fact that he was on his knees and just showing how important uh, the blessed sacrament was to him, you know, he, he knew, he knew who he was and, and who he was about. Our kids can do that every single day by a son who's a lifeguard right now, and he's very open. He's the only Catholic lifeguard there, and he's very open about uh, his faith with um, the other kids who are probably just fascinated um, by this very, you know, interesting life that we have because we are so countercultural. But when when you kind of let people know who you are right up front, it it it, it makes it less scary down the road, um, and you have inner peace to you. So those bigger decisions. Other people are expecting them because they already know who you are. I think when you try to hide and you try to fit in, you try to conform early on, that's when it gets hard because everybody's going to be expecting you to conform. But, you know, you, you, you do right in the little things and you're going to do right in the big things. Yeah, that's a great point and definite encouragement to parents who have decided our life isn't going to look like the rest of the world because I know it's hard. I know we've got your back. And sometimes you wonder, is this going to make a difference? And it does. And like you said, the earlier you reject the spirit of the world, the more free you are really. And I think better able you are to have clarity, to be well-formed, and then to see how misshapen things are, whether that's the entertainment or just the the jo- keeping up with the Joneses or all the things that are unnecessarily and sinfully placed upon the shoulders of these young adults and to say, this is the roadmap, this is the path, the path of the saints. And we talked about the little way. St. Therese of Lisieux, I know she's also in your book. And there's a beautiful paradox to her as well, just like Joan of Arc, because in them both, there is this femininity and grace, yet they are soldiers and they speak in battle terms. And in St. Therese of Lisieux called our Lord her great general under whose command the Carmelites served. And she was an, a legend when it came to redemptive suffering. And that is something we can all relate to because we, she had physical ailments, she had neuroses, she had grief from the loss of her mother and her sisters, you know, leaving with the, the convent separation for a time. And so I think too, this is an example for women, for anyone, but for all of us, but for women who are in the home or perhaps in a nursing home, that just because you might be tucked away, it does not mean that we can't exercise fortitude and courage. And the same with St. Teresa of Calcutta, and that even though we might live the hidden life, we can still exercise courage every day. And, And that I think is important. As you said, the earlier we learn that, the more equipped we are to be able to live heroically. Uh, anything else you want to add about, I guess, uh, St. Therese of Lisieux re-examining her life and going back over to share her story? Well, there has been some interest in St. Therese because I think we, we tend to not think of St. Therese of Lisieux and St. Teresa of Calcutta necessarily as as courageous, but, but standing them, <laughs> if, we're not under, if, we're, if we're not thinking about them as courageous. You know, someone like uh, St. Uh, Teresa of Calcutta 
had such a, a heart for serving the poorest of the poor. And um, she understood that the poorest of the poor were not just those who were, who were experiencing material poverty, um, those who needed shelter and food and drink and medicine, um, but those who had a spiritual poverty. And she saw the spiritual par- poverty here in the United States and in the Western world the most. And she cared about all of the souls, just like St. Therese did. So she didn't just care about the, the souls in the slums of Calcutta. She cared about the you know, highly intelligent, very successful, very wealthy people in the world who just were not understanding the truth about who they are and who the precious little babies in mother's wombs are. So the fact that she went out time and time again, and in fact, the last almost 20 years of her life, she really dedicated to her pro-life ministry every opportunity she had, you know, including uh, accepting the Nobel Peace Prize in 1979, including speaking at the National Prayer Breakfast um, when Bill Clinton invited her. Her host was one of the most pro, pro-choice, uh, pro, uh, pro-abortion um politicians in the entire world and uh, in front of him in front of Hillary Clinton on the stage in front of the gores on the stage you know she spoke the truth about the value of every human life and she said that the greatest destroyer of peace today is abortion Um, and that took a lot of courage and you know the reason that she was listened to is because she took her popularity as a humanitarian and she used that to speak this really really hard truth so um i love that saint therese was an inspiration for her in the little things because mother Teresa, in her every day did all of the little things all of the little things with such great love and then she was able to do really big things you know applying that same principle to every aspect of her life and denying jesus nothing and of course, a direct correlation to the spiritual life, even though interiorly, of course, we know now about her darkness, but being grafted onto the side of Christ to refuse him nothing and to satiate the the thirst of those um, who she served and, and, you know, just that confidence that comes when you're animated with the truth. And it is so beautiful and needed. Kimberly Begg is my guest. Our theme is moral courage, particularly zeroing in on the greatest saints, laying down their lives for Christ with fortitude, holy valor. The name of the book is Unbreakable, Saints Who Inspired Saints to Moral Courage. What's the biggest mistake Catholic parents make today? How can this book help? These are a few things I want to cover when we come back from the break. We'll tackle that when we get back. I'm Brooke Taylor in for Timory. You're listening to Trending here on Relevant Radio and the app. one 914 to join the show back in a moment. You can stand me up at the gates of
888 is our studio line. Saints that won't back down, that didn't back down. Moral courage, that's what we've been discussing here on Trending. Welcome back to the show. My name is Brooke Taylor in for Timory. What's interesting about that song, Tom Petty, he says, you can stand me up at the gates of hell, but I won't back down. But reportedly, at least from what I could find, he didn't he didn't believe in hell. He was an atheist. He didn't believe in heaven. He didn't believe in God. So a good opportunity to pray for his soul. I was thinking the poor souls today as we all join together in the rosary across America with Father Rocky, the Sorrowful Mysteries today, 7 o'clock Central Time here on Trending, offering up all of our intentions. But the message fits what we're talking about. Won't back down. The name of the book is called Unbreakable, Saints Who Inspired Saints to Moral Courage. The author is Kimberly Begg. She is a Catholic wife, mother of five, an attorney with more than 20 years of experience, strengthening Catholic and conservative causes so busy on many Ministries and is the director of programs and general counsel of the Ortner Family Foundation, editor of Catholic School Playbook. Hope to have time to get to that and then also an online resource, a uh, brand new one too that just popped up that I want to hopefully get to in just a few minutes that we have left. But Kimberly, you know, just kind of recapping your resume there, your life is immersed in education. So you really see a spectrum of development and culture. So I guess what maybe is the biggest challenge? that you see that Catholic parents face today, what they should be doing, maybe what they're not doing in their parenting? Well, I, I, I think the biggest problem is that a lot of parents today don't even really know, maybe haven't con- confronted in, in a very serious way, the truth that their children don't actually belong to them. Their children belong to God and they are destined to spend eternity with him um, through baptism, we make certain promises to God. And, um, you know, woe is, are those of us who don't take those promises seriously. You know, as Catholics, we promise to raise our children Catholic, you know, and that has to mean more than just checking off a box and going to Mass and, you know, dressing them up for their big uh, sacrament days um, and having a big party with the families. You know, it has to mean teaching them about the traditions of the church. And I think the saints are just one of the most beautiful, most wonderful traditions of the, of the church. We've passed down for ages, the stories of these heroic, wonderful, inspiring saints. Um, and of course, it, you know, in my research, just realizing that these stories that a lot of us have forgotten, especially a lot of the, the early Christian martyrs, uh, these are stories that the saints who came before us, they knew these stories and they, they knew to be inspired by them. But I think the biggest mistake that parents make is really just forgetting that the whole spiritual aspect of, of their children's lives and that the only thing that matters is guiding their kids in their path to heaven. And when you're focused like a laser beam um, on heaven, you're going to prepare them for the world because there's no way you can just send them out to the world today um, with all of the hostility that Christians face and, and not prepare their hearts to be ready to stand up for Christ and to find the inner peace and even the joy. You know, um, you mentioned St. Therese of Lisieux. You know, St. Therese of Lisieux was somebody who found real joy in suffering. You know, um, she even said that she couldn't even suffer anymore because she loved Christ so much. Um, that even, even her suffering was a joy to her. So really equipping them just with what they need um, internally in their heart and their soul to face what they're going to face out there in the world. And also, too, I think there is 
it, it, there's a joyful adventure. It does sound intimidating and daunting and as if it's a mountain that we can't climb, Mount Doom, you know, this Lord of the Rings epic. But really you see, I think that's the beauty of parenting and cooperation with God's grace is there are moments that surprise you. And look at with relevant radio, you know, what an amazing tool every day to turn on and to be able to across the country in the world, lift up each other's prayers, have great catechesis and apologetics formation and information from, uh, you know, a Christ-centered perspective. And so there are other families, there are tools, and of course we have the Holy Spirit and you know your child more than anybody else. And I love those conversations that bubble up from a book like yours, reading the story of a saint and you know, just taking that into the imagination and applying it to their own lives. And so just with the few minutes we have left, I guess I want to ask the happy ending, the redemptive question, what gives you hope? What are you seeing that encourages your heart? I am seeing, well, a few things. Um, there are a bunch of very, very faithful Catholic communities, Catholic schools. Um, I, I see an, a new interest in liturgical living, um, you know, a new interest in the lives of the saints and how to bring those cultures into our homes. I think that Catholics are realizing that we're not doing as Catholics, um, you know, not only what Catholics didn't do um, centuries ago in their homes, um, but we're missing out on, on the joy of Catholic living. You know, all of the traditions, all of the stories of the church, um, and I'm seeing a renewed interest in that. So um, I, I think that, you know, even as recently as maybe a, a decade ago, I think that there there, there was this sort of, um, you know, a struggle seen by a lot of Catholics that, okay, out there, you, out there in the world, you can have your pleasure, you can have your fun. Being a Catholic is kind of boring, right? Being a Christian is boring. I think that Catholics are waking up to realize that the real adventure is, is following your path that God has set out for you. And actually, being a Catholic is the real adventure. You know, out there in the world, with all of your attachments to um, uh, disordered conduct and, and sin and, 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 and all of the um, worldly pleasures, you know, I think that gets really boring. And you mentioned anxiety and depression, especially among our young people. Um, if you want to find the real joy, the lasting joy and the excitement, um, I, I think it's in the Catholic faith. Amen. I just am looking back at St. Joan of Arc and you know how the story ends and it's terrible, but also her witness has brought so many to the cross. And she was, when you read and you look at her diaries and her life, she was joyful, she was trusting. And to hear you is encouraging and it's what we need because I think it was Mary Eberstadt that we were talking to and she said, you know, Catholics have to get the kick me sign off their back because everything the church has said has, has been able to bear out as truth from moral law and natural law and God's design, and we should learn it and be proud of it, live it, propagate it, and bring others into the truth. That is a beautiful mission to of love, you know, to go out that we have as a gospel commission. So I appreciate that your book, it's Unbreakable, Saints Who Inspired Saints to Moral Courage, Kimberly Begg, but also you've got a lot more going on, different ministries. Can you just give that a plug as we wrap up? 
Oh, absolutely. So I'm an editor of a wonderful website called Catholic Schools Playbook, and we share the best practices of the best Catholic schools in the country. So there are, there's just this amazing network of Catholic schools who are faithfully Catholic, who are reintroducing kids to the traditions of the church, the sacramental traditions of the church, the intellectual traditions, you know, going back and teaching them literature and philosophy and theology and logic and, you know, all of the disciplines that the church taught um, for, for many, many, many years that have been lost because we've largely handed our schools over to the, the, the secular methods um, and materials. Well, we will link it up in our show notes. Thank you again for your time. Unbreakable, available now with Tan Books. The Rosary Across America with Father Rocky is next. Thank you to producer Jim Shaper, Young Thomas on the phones. My name is Brooke Taylor in for Timory. Enjoy the Rosary Across America. St. Benedict, pray for us. God bless you.